This is Chris Canning, Super Bowl 46 champ, and you're listening to the Mike Sappho Podcast. Finally, back on my podcast, man. It's been a minute. I uh, know. It's an honor, man. Last time we were at the compound, and now we're at Jack Dempsey's. We're moving up in the world. I was going to say, do you like my new studio? I like your new studio, although you could stand to get a space heater. It's a little cool up here. I, actually I, just... I don't know if anybody told you, but you know, around <laughs> Christmas time in New York City, it gets pretty cold. We'll, we'll put the heat on. Okay. We'll, we'll put the heat on. Okay. But you're right. The last time you were at my show live, technically, was in my old house. I had this small little yellow room in my compound. We used to call my house the mm-hmm. compound. Yeah. And that, now look at that. I have exposed brick jerseys on the wall, a private is... floor, a private bartender. Man, it's unbelievable. I can't believe they allowed you to do the podcast here. I'm just shocked. Well, you feel like you downgraded? This isn't like the palatial estates of ESPN facilities. Stop it. So. Stop it. Stop it. It's not like that. My studio on the Upper West Side is more like that little yellow room you had <laughs> in the compound. Listen, ESPN guy now. Fancy. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's been good. I've been at it for about a year, and you know we've got a great show. I'm I'm warm with Rick DiPietro and Dave Rothenberg, two guys that are that are pros and that have been at it for a while. And you know I I enjoy the show. We're, we're on middays on 98.7 FM from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. and we take it from Golik and Wingo, and we lead you into Stephen A. Smith. It's been uh, it's been pretty cool. You always wanted to be behind the mic, though. You, even when you were playing, you always wanted to do the TV. Do the you love it? Yeah, I love it, man. It's it's another challenge. You know, you can't play forever so you have to have the next thing to move on to and and this is the next thing for me um when i wake up in the morning i look forward to being able to deliver new york sports content in a fashion that's entertaining and something that our listeners can enjoy while they're going through their day-to-day so that's what we take pride in being able to do and we have fun we joke around with each other we're just talking sports guys sitting around talking sports and uh, you know we talk about some other things too it's fun we have a good time who puts the goalie and a football player together? Who makes that decision? Because it, no, it's working. But <laughs> no, you, you know what? Me, that was that was the brainchild of my boss, Tim McCarthy. He's okay. a pretty sharp guy. He's the general manager of ESPN New York. And uh, he was the one that, that saw the talent and had me coming in studio. I mean, even going back to 2009, I was coming in and out of the studios back when Michael Kay and their show was out of Two Pin Plaza. So I had the opportunity um, to be a part of ESPN New York then and, it just continued to allow me to come on. And all of a sudden, they started giving me a key card, and they started paying me. So it's just one of those things that I fell into. I didn't plan it, although I always wanted to be mm-hmm. behind a microphone, whether it was television or radio. didn't really matter to me. I just never wanted to have to work a real job. And so I've been blessed to have the opportunity to be able to talk about sports for a living. DPHO, good guy? Oh, he's awesome. Oh, he's out of he's, control. He's a great dude, man. I, I enjoy it. You know, we have Thanksgiving every year at his house, and we actually do the show on Thanksgiving Day, so we don't take off. We do the show from Thanksgiving Day from his house, and it's really cool, man, just have an opportunity to get to know him and, and his wife, Cassie, and, uh, you know, Milo and Ella, the kids. Like, it's he's just an awesome guy, awesome family, and, uh, you know, privileged to be able to work with him to be – to be a coach host with him because he's a really funny dude. He's sharp on sports. He knows every sport. He watches everything sports-related on television. I keep trying to tell him badminton is not a sport, but <laughs> if it's on ESPN, he'll watch it. He's this a big dude, curling guy. Big dude, curling I'm guy. Telling you, I'm telling you, this dude pays attention to everything. He's on top of it, and uh, it, it's it's great to be able to work with somebody like that, that loves sports like that. Now, you're a sports guy to begin with. Do you feel like you have to watch more basketball? Not not hockey. Are you watching more basketball, more baseball, and watching it differently now? Why do you say not hockey? You're not a hockey guy. No, I'm not a hockey guy, but I have to watch hockey because my co-host was the number one overall pick for the Islanders back in the day. So, he loves hockey. I mean, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I have a newfound appreciation for hockey because I had the privilege of being able to go with him to some Islanders games and actually sit by the glass and watch the speed in which those guys play with. 
And it's unbelievable, man. I mean, they're moving faster than any other major professional sports leagues. I mean, the rate of speed in hockey is just unbelievable. So I really didn't know that, and you can't really get a, a gauge of it, a feel for it, just watching it on television. You have to be there. And, and I say this, and, and Rick stands by this, if you could introduce kids to that experience with hockey, just being able to watch the game Hot. from the glass, they'd be hooked. That's that. That's the in my mistake. That's Gary Bettman's biggest mistake: not introducing kids to hockey in that fashion because it's a really special game, especially when you get to see it up close. So now you're watching more basketball, more baseball, like more in depth now. Like, are you watching? Well, care? I've always been a Yankees fan, of so course. that wasn't that wasn't. Are you still watching Carlo or what? Oh man, I'm excited God, about I'm so it, man! I, I woke up that Saturday morning, and I was like, unbelievable! Christmas came early. It was. Like, I, who, who would think the NL MVP would become available, especially for what the Yankees traded? We him? gave up nothing. You for got him. Sterling Castro off the books, which is a contract you wanted to move on from because mm-hmm. you wanted to make room for Gleyber Torres. So you have that opportunity now. But then you added the NL MVP with the runner-up for AL MVP. That lineup Judge. is scary. I, I don't know how pitchers get a break in that lineup. They can't. I, 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 I mean, you've got power hitting, you've got lefties, you've got righties, you've got speed. Look Look at how two, four, or five. It's Sanchez. Your biggest problem is figuring out how you're going to rotate those guys in the outfield. That's, that's your biggest that's issue. It, that's it. Who's going to be the DH? That's that's your biggest problem. Those are champagne problems. So I'm excited about the offseason the Yankees have had. And from what I'm hearing from Brian Cashman, he's not done yet. No, he there's going to be, yep. be more work done. They're looking to bake the trade for the Pirates pitcher, Garrett Cole. Um, we'll see what they do with third base. Maybe they resign Frazier on a one-year deal. But I'm excited. There hasn't been a better time to be a Yankees fan. This feels like 95 all, all over, over again, again where they're getting ready to go on this dynastic run. Chris, when they were on the cusp of something, you knew exactly. something big was coming. Exactly. And you heard Cashman say it last year when he made the deal for Sonny Gray. He said he wasn't going to sacrifice championships for a championship. So all the moves that he's making are about this year but also the years to come. Because you're trying to keep this group together as long as you can, because you have young, controllable position players. You got Aaron Judge, you got Didi Gregorius, you got Gary Sanchez. Those guys are making nothing. We have so, Berg. They're making no exactly. money. Exactly. So when you got CC Sabathia off the books, when you got uh, A Rod's contract off the books, Ellsbury. They, re- they reinvested that money into the team, and so that's what you love about Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman, what they're doing right now, and you just feel great about what's about to happen over the next ten years. But to your point, yeah, I, I watch all the sports now. Um, I'm watching hockey now, so you got to pay attention to what's going on in the Metropolitan Division, obviously, with our three locals. But then I'm also paying attention to what's going on with the Knicks. I was a Lakers fan growing up, so you know I, I really wasn't on board with what's going on with the Knicks. But now, because everybody wants to know, and the Knicks are New York's basketball team. Nobody really cares about the Brooklyn mm-hmm. Nets. Yeah, I said it. Um, <laughs> you know, you got to pay attention to what's going on. And this is a fun team to watch. Although the last couple of ball games, I've been frustrated watching them. And you look at the game in Detroit. They haven't played well on the road. They're no. the worst team on the road in the NBA. But you look at the game in Detroit, that was a winnable game. You had some bad offensive possessions. Courtney Lee didn't do a great job getting a good shot at the end of that ball game. And then you looked at yesterday's game. Now, I know T.J. McConnell had eight points at the end of the third quarter, pushed the lead to four going into the fourth. But in the fourth quarter, you were tied 89-89 you got to find a way to be able to make the plays, especially at home with the energy of the fan base behind you, be able to make the plays down the stretch to win that game. I don't know how they had that loss to a Philadelphia 76ers team that had lost five straight. I know, it's, it's the frustrating. Six, the Sixers only have two wins this month, and you let them come in the garden on Christmas Day and win? Come on now. It's frustrating. It really is now. frustrating, and I love the Knicks. And you know what? Nothing lights up the phone lines like when the New York Knicks team is good come playoff time or the Knicks go on a little run. They love it. They love it. New York fans, listen, we're a Yankee town, but when the Knicks are good, 
The Knicks are great. Oh, they man, I it. mean, when the, when the Knicks are good, the Garden is rocking, man. There's no place like it. I was there on Thursday night, and I saw the win against the Boston Celtics, and it was just that was a it was one win. of those things that was great. You didn't know where it was going to come from. I mean, Michael Beasley, <laughs> when, the the, beast, when the reporter the asked him when he realized yeah. he had the hot end, he said the day he was born. That it was is unbe- the of the year. It was un- unbelievable, but... You know, that's the thing about this Knicks team. You don't know where the contribution is going to come from at home, but you have confidence that you're going to find some, some, some sources, unlikely sources that are going to be able to produce. And that's what they've done throughout the course of the season, by and large, in the garden. The only problem is they don't take that on the road. They don't have an identity on the road. So, so who is this Knicks team on the road? I thought that getting these last two games would be a great opportunity to build some confidence for them. Now, where they're going on the road, they got a stretch of games where I think they're 16 out of the next 20 games are on the road. Yeah, this is it. So, you wanted to build some confidence coming off of that Boston Celtics game, get a win on the second night of a back to back in Detroit, come home for the game in the garden against the 76ers, beat that team. You can build some momentum, but they, they didn't take advantage of that opportunity. And that's too often been the story of this Knicks franchise over the last decade or so, not taking advantage of opportunities and softer parts in the schedule. You had a record number of home games to this point in the season. You had more home games than anybody else in the league to this point in the season. Why didn't you take advantage of it and get off to a better start? They've been great at home, but the game on Christmas Day, they let one get away. Now, you do your sports show. You ever want to do a different kind of show, not just sports all the time or no? No, I love it. I mean, <laughs> it's funny. If you're actually listening to our show, we, we always talk about other topics. You go pop culture a lot on it. We do, man. We, we have to because there's, there's more to our life than just sports. I mean, sports is our, our job, um, but we try, to, we try to give it to fans in an entertaining fashion and, and draw parallels to what's going on in the world. So we don't live uh, in a bubble per se. You know, we have lives outside of sports. So uh, I think we do a great job of trying to mix in pop culture and entertainment into what's going on in the landscape of sports in New York. The reason I, I love your show is there's two sports stations in New York. and no, no, <laughs> We no, don't no, talk about no, that. Uh, we won't, we won't. <laughs> but I'll tell you, and I was just actually talking about it right before you got here. A big reason I love your show, you'll talk about the game, you're going to break it down, but you're not going to take a call from someone like, why the Giants not do a play-action pass on third and three with two minutes left? Like, you're not breaking down the minute detail of every single game. You'll go, you'll tell, talk about the game, you're going to break it down to every sport fan's going to hear, but then you're going to hear shit someone else wants to talk about, like two guys at a bar. And that's why I think your show is becoming successful. No, you know what? We, we, we don't get into a lot of that. We don't major in that. We absolutely can. I mean, if you want to talk about the first touchdown drive the Los Angeles Chargers had <laughs> and Jamal Adams <laughs> not getting the interception or not stopping Melvin Gordon on the third and one or giving up the touchdown pass to Antonio Gates, we can get into that. <laughs> But we don't major in that. We try to stay around the periphery and talk about the themes and what's going on and why these plays happen, the critical plays happen to help the team win or critical plays happen that cause the team to lose. We try to focus on that, Um, try to give the fans more of a broad base because we don't want to get into too much detail. It's hard to try to paint the picture over the airwaves of the radio without the benefit of television or having visual aids to be able to guide the listeners along. So we just try to break it down and give it to the fans in a fashion that they can digest it. All right. You want to eat your food now? No, we, we roll it, man. Your food's Let's, here, though, man. Okay. I mean, listen, it's up to you. Man. All right. You're, you're, the, you're the driver. I'm just the co-host. I know. Well, you're, you're, you're the, the backseat co-host you're right now. You're Dave Rothenberg no. and, this, <laughs> and Simba and I are the co-host. All right. D- dream interview. If you had to have a dream interview on the show. Oh, man, you know what? Give me um, three. Three dream interview guys. You know, I'm not terribly imaginative. Terribly? Is that, is that Yeah, that's the right word. I'm not terribly imaginative. Yeah. That's a good I, word. No, I always got to check myself because Dave Rothenberg or Rick DiPietro will be the ones to check yeah, me I was, if I'm I was, not right. I was, they about always, to, I was about to check. They're, 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 gra- they're the grammar police. That's not a word. 
like, like, like Rick used the word funner, and Dave's like, that's not a word. And then Alan Hahn texts us and say, no, actually, it is a word. <laughs> so, no, it's, it's, yeah, so you got to watch yourself in, in that studio. Everybody is fair game in the studio. Nobody's <laughs> off limits. So I always got to make sure I'm saying the right thing. But I'm not terribly imaginative. So okay. one, of the, one of the potential guests that we got coming up in January is Dr. Oz. So Dr. Dr. Oz works in our building. He does his show in our building over on West End Avenue. And, um, you know, it just so turns out that he's a fan of Rick and I. And so Rick's wife is a huge Dr. Oz fan. And and he always, Rick always blames Dr. Oz for taking all of the fun of his life (laughs) because his wife is always telling him what he can eat, what he can't eat, you know, always making him, you know, it's, it's just, again, so um, having Dr. Oz on the show would be pretty cool. So we're looking forward to that. Um, I'd love to have Aaron Judge in just because I'm a Yankees fan. Okay. And, of course, we share a studio with the voice of the Yankees, Michael Kay. So we're trying to, we're trying to work on that. And then uh, we had the privilege of meeting the French Prince of New York, Frank Nilakina, a couple of weeks back at an event that we did for Lord & Taylor on Guys Night Out. And uh, his agent is a big fan of the show. So at some point, we're going to have Frank Nilakina on in studio with us. Uh, Humpty Canty with Rothenberg. So those are the three guests that I, I say we're looking forward to having in 2018. Okay, forget about the radio thing now. What else have you been up to? I'm worried about you. You're dating, you're traveling, you're reading. I'm, what are you I'm, up to? I'm dating. You know, I'm, at some point I'm going to have to have a Mrs. Canty, right? Of course, At some of course. point, you know, I want to settle down and have some kids, but, but we ain't at that point just yet. Okay. So I'm, I'm dating right now. Um, you're traveling, you're reading. What, you know what? what I don't, are you I don't happy? Get a, I don't get a chance to travel as much as I would like to just because of my gig, especially during football season. You know, I'm on air six days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, not only am I working at ESPN 98.7, but also doing some stuff for Fox Sports 1 on their First Things First platform with Chris Carter and Nick Wright. So, um, you know, I'm always busy during football season. I like it. I, you know, it's, it's what I want to do. I'd rather have something to do than nothing of to course. do. Of course. But uh, after football season, after the Super Bowl, I'll take some time. I'll travel. Where you, you know, going? Weekend trips. Well, I'm going to my beach house in Hilton Head, obviously. That's the first spot. Okay. First stop. I got to make sure nobody's living in my house. <laughs> um, and then uh, after that, you know, I'll take some vacations somewhere warm, sunny and sandy. Um you know, just figure it out as I go along. But you you're know? happy? I'm worried about you. I just want to make sure you're happy. No, I'm happy, okay, man. I'm, okay. I'm living the dream, man. I'm living the dream. Like uh, Coach Harbaugh used to say, who's got it better than us? No one. Nobody. So, so. Now, we're going to introduce Simba in a second, even though Simba's sitting next next to us. Okay. I got to ask you this. You're on TV. Mm. You look good in the tailored suits. Yeah. You wear the glasses to make you look yeah. very intellectual. That's yeah. a word. Yeah. There you go. Back in the you day. You can't spell it, though. No. You crazy? <laughs> of course. That's why we have Google. Back in the day, I grew up in the Bronx and uh-huh. down in Virginia. What's the worst style you had? I want to hear. Because you're a stylish guy now. Not uh, right now. You're wearing worst, a sweatsuit now. The worst style that I've ever worn. You know what? I don't know who convinced us that baggy clothes. Yeah, baggy was bad. Okay. Baggy. Baggy. This was like late 80s, early 90s where everything was like three or four sizes yeah, too yeah, big. Yeah, yeah. And we had the um, the cross colors with the and the purple, Carl the remember purple Carl jeans <laughs> and Carl Kanai and Jabot jeans. Like and I, don't, I, I just you know it was just a bad look. I mean Tim's are classic, so Tim's never go out of style. But just like when you were wearing the baggy jeans and the baggy clothes, like you had the polo shirt that went down to the your knees. knees. Like, yes. I was just like, ah, it's a bad look. That was your worst look? look? That was your yeah, worst I one? Try, I try to find all of those photos and, Simba, and burn was, all of them. Simba, what was your worst look, worst style? Yeah, I'll probably say it was around the same, like the, the same thing. Because I always look back at like pictures from like, you know, when I was in high school, like mm-hmm. in my situation, like, you know, early 2000s. Yeah. 
And I'm like, whoa, like, you remember those white tees? Yeah, the white, the white in my white tee. The white tee. In my era. white tee. Did everything <laughs> in the white tee. You know, like. Man, did and everything you, in the white tee. I was, I, I was looking at those pictures. I'm like, what was I thinking? And But, like, it was like everybody around me was doing the same thing. Yeah. It was just like. Chris, did you ever wear the one leg up, one leg down? Don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. <laughs> You know what? Maybe once or twice. Not into a big it time wasn't, It wasn't a big thing for me. Maybe once or twice. Okay. You know, when LL Cool J came out came out with the FUBU, like that's what he was doing. He had okay. the FUBU ad with the white tee, and he had the Tim's on, one leg up, one leg down. I mean, LL was the standard growing up, but, like, you know, when he started doing that, it's probably when I should have realized I need to go in a different direction <laughs> for, my, for my fashion sense. I think my worst one, remember the starter jacket? I'd have, like, the 80 buttons on the side. Remember you used to always wear the things on the side? That yeah. was a pretty bad one. I used to wear that one. The hat with the tags on it. Wait a minute. It. Starter jackets are still cool. No, starter jackets right? are yeah. great. But remember that you have, like, the lanyard on the side and you have, like, the little – what's it called? Like, the little – Buckle thing on the side. You don't remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. I had I like exactly 80 of those about. lined yeah. up. And I'll tell you the worst one. I'll tell you, this is embarrassing. <laughs> For some reason, I wanted to be like, and I wasn't a skater. I never skateboarded, but I had the jeans and I cut the bottom and made like the bottoms like really wide, like the Jenko pants. Wow. Yeah. I don't know how I ever hooked up with a chick back in the day. I'm serious. All right, so with your baggy clothes, we well, that's just a, that just shows you <laughs> miracles happen every day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah. was someone's last choice. I there know that. Go. It's okay. Did you, were you still smooth with the ladies back then? Not no, now. I, first of all, I was you, never. I was yeah, you never weren't. smooth with the ladies. You I was never like Even I didn't when have. You went out. Gift. You weren't smooth. Yeah, it I don't have me. the yeah. gift of gab. That's just not my style. I just you know. That's I'm, where I step in. But exactly. Then, I was always upset. Well, you got to be careful nowadays because the whole workplace oh, misconduct. No, no, now you don't, don't want to be too smooth with the ladies. That's why I got to go. It's better to be direct <laughs> yeah. and blunt. You don't want to make those comments off the cuff. That can lead to a lot of trouble. So I said I'm buying you know one of those like body cams just for like. There you go. You got. You gotta protect yourself. You gotta protect yourself. You have visual. You have visual evidence. She was flirting back with me. Exactly. Exactly. I I can take that down to HR, and I got evidence. I can show (laughs) him something. Allegation comes down. Okay, hold on one second. I'll be right back. Boom. Go the videotape, Simba. (laughs) How'd you meet Mrs. The future Mrs. Canty or the the girl you're meeting dating now? I don't want to. I I don't know. I I don't know. I I tell you what. the girl I'm dating now, you know, we met. I was out at a friend's event for a happy hour, and we just kind of hit it off from there. And, um, you know, I don't put expectations or labels on things. You know, we, we, we enjoy spending time together, and, you know, we'll see where it goes. How long has it been? Uh, it's been about a year now. Very? That's still early, though. That's still is. early. That's still early, man. It takes a long time before you really get to know somebody. You know what's good now? Because, you know, the first first four or five months, you're just talking to their representative. Yo, that's it. It's yeah, you're not. You're whatever not really, you want to hear. Exactly, exactly. She probably told you she exactly. loved football. She exactly. loved this. When I met my girl, she's from the Philippines. Oh, I love Kentucky basketball. I'm like, really? It's like, then I found out she didn't know anything about it. Yeah, but exactly. early on, she wanted to sell herself. Who's John Calipari? Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Cal. Yeah, meanwhile, now she wears a Coach Cal shirt, though. She knows the deal now. There she knows go. now. There you go. She knows how it goes. What's going on with your Kentucky Wildcats, man? It's a, it's a weird year with them. We're 8-2, and 9-2. It's a weird year because they're not great. We're mm-hmm. not. We don't have the stud. We don't have Anthony Davis. We don't have a boogie. But those are usually the years that Kentucky wins it. Well, I hope so. When you're not expected to win it. Because remember, they lose the game to Kansas. Yep. Sim is also The reason Sim and I met is because he's a diehard Kentucky fan also. Yeah. And we met this year. We're good. We have Kevin Knox. We have uh, Hami from Queens, Diallo. We're good. We have a huge game Saturday, Friday against Louisville. Mm-hmm. You know that's the whole that's the World Series for us to the tournament. Yeah. Jump in, Sim. Those are the best basketball players money can buy in college. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more optimistic than like Mike is, and we talk about this almost like on a daily basis every day. Because Mike is like, Mike is always like, 
the moment like somebody like misses a shot, Mike is like, <laughs> "Oh, we're terrible. We're never gonna win another game." <laughs> I'm like, "Calm down, calm the fuck down. Uh-huh. It's okay." Chris, you don't want to get your heart broken. That's what it is. Yeah. Isn't it? But you know they, they do break my heart. But I love them, and I always say you you, we, you can glory with your team in victory, but you truly fall in love with them in defeat. So we'll be at the, so this is um a huge Kentucky bar, Jack Dempsey's. So when Kentucky plays, CBS is here. It is wall to wall Kentucky diehards. If Kentucky's down three nothing, I leave the bar. Mm-hmm. I will, I'm going home, and I you go. can't watch. You can't watch. I'm like you're a Mike, mess. You're a wreck. I'm like Mike, you, you got to balance this shit out. You can't just like walk out. <laughs> Chris, I'm, I'm sitting in the corner, like on. The, That's hilarious. Sim- That's Chris, hilarious. I'm in the corner on the floor, like sitting watching people, like. Who is that? Is like something wrong with that guy in the corner with the coach? I wear my Coach Cal shirt. It says "Man Crush Every Day," and wow. I'm, yeah, no, it's imba- Chris. It's embarrassing. I'm not gonna lie. You got to find a way to balance out all of that. I'm trying. Yeah, I, I'm I trying. Don't know what you do. I I'm, I'm, I'm truly. I tell you trying. what. I tell you what. You're in better shape than my co-host Dave Rothenberg because Dave Rothenberg is a Giants fan. He's a Knicks fan. And he's a Mets fan. Mm. Ooh. So he doesn't have a lot to cheer for right about now. I mean, he still got his Rangers. Don't get me wrong. Okay. He's, still, he's a Rangers fan, but. Outside of the Rangers, man, there's not a whole lot of whole lot of hope right there. I mean, you don't know what the Giants are gonna do. We realize that the Knicks are borderline playoff team mm-hmm. right now. We'll probably say they're outside looking in just because they don't play well on the road. But then the Mets, like, what are, what are the Mets doing? Like, what, what are they what, waiting on? What happened? Because like, didn't they make like uh, two years ago? They had like that big run. They were in the World Series. They were in the World Series. Then they had the NL Wild Card game where yeah. they got bounced by Bumgarner. But yeah. I mean, listen, everyone's losing the Bumgarner. Every, everybody loses the Bumgarner. Um, but you know, you look at them this offseason. They went out and they got Mickey Callaway as the as the manager, which which makes sense because you're built around starting pitching. And Mickey learned under Terry Francona, and the thought is that you're going to be able to get the most out of your starting pitchers that are all coming back from injury, pretty much except for Jacob DeGrom. So that makes sense. But when you told us that your plan for your starting pitchers was for everybody not named Syndergaard and DeGrom to only go two times through the opposing team's lineup and then you were going to go to the bullpen, why aren't you doing more to address your bullpen? Make the bullpen the best in baseball then, yeah. That's what you would think. I mean, you got familiar. You went out and you took care of Blevins. You got him to come back. But, I mean, Anthony Swarzak? That's it? (laughs) You're not going to That's all you're leaning on is Anthony Swarzak? Like, he's the guy? I mean, if you're going to go to the bullpen two times through the lineup, I mean, at some point you're going to run out of arms when you're talking about Matt Harvey and Zach, uh, Zach um, Wheeler and, and Matt and Steven Matt. You're going to run out of arms when those guys are pitching. So, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out exactly what the Mets and Sandy Alderson are doing because it doesn't really make sense. And furthermore, if you have a team that's built on starting pitching, it would make sense to have plus defenders, right? I mean, you look at your corner infielders. I mean – I don't feel great about Cabrera being the third no, baseman. Of course I mean, not. Have we seen enough from Dominic Smith? Nothing. That, that, that's what I'm saying. So I mean, it's it's really not complimentary in it's any way, Mets, shape, though, really. or form. You don't know who your center fielder is going to be because you know Lagares is going to get hurt at some point. Uh, I mean, Travis Darno, your starting pitchers don't like throwing to him. So I, how, how does this help those guys, your pitchers, be at their best? It doesn't. So you would think that the team would go out and address it in free agency or at least explore trade options because, let's face it, you got one of the worst farm systems in baseball (laughs) right now. The only way that you're going to acquire talent is if you spend money, and they're not going to spend money. doesn't make sense to me. Now, you you just mentioned Kentucky and shit. How about you? Are there any teams, not football, any teams you get really upset when they lose? Do you get upset when the Yankees lose? Uh, you know what? I, I did not get upset when they lost in Game 7 of the ALCS. I, okay. I didn't get upset, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I recognize that last year was house money. 
as long as we got into a legitimate playoff series, not not a wild card game, but a playoff series. I agreed with once that. They, yeah. Once they beat the Twins, I was like, okay, we're we're in good shape. We're in a playoff series. Didn't expect them to come back from 0-2 against the Cleveland Indians. The Cleveland Indians were Kluber, one of the, and Kluber was going. Yeah, and Kluber was going. They were one of the hottest teams in baseball. So the fact that they were able to overcome that, they get into a seven game series with the Houston Astros, and you overcome an 0-2 deficit. You win three straight at home, and you push it to a game seven. I'm not mad that you lost Game 7 in Houston because that was the first Game 7 in a championship series of any of those young guys. So the fact that they had that experience and they're going to be working off of that now going into 2018, I feel better about where this Yankees team is. they got to fortify the starting pitching, but you still got one of the best bullpens in baseball, and you've got one of the toughest lineups, if not the toughest lineup, in Major League Baseball. Your co-host said it best. Michael Kay, one of your workers, said, this is going to be the worst Yankee team the worst you've seen in the next 10 years. And after you said that, I'm like, you know what? You put you put it into perspective. Yeah. In the next 10 years, this is going to be the worst one we've seen. Okay. This is the first year. I don't know if you realize this. Since 2005 to 2016 that one of us aren't in the NFL. Do you realize that? Wow. That's yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Think I about didn't, it. I didn't together, even think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Together, this is the first time. Ooh, 2005 to 16, at least one of us were in the NFL. That You, you think about that. That's like, that's putting shit in perspective. Yeah, man. It's crazy. Um, what do you miss the most? Really? I miss the relationships. The camaraderie? I miss the locker room, yeah. You know, I get a little bit of that in the show because Rick played, and we have a good atmosphere over at 98.7. We're always busting each other's balls, and it's fun to go to work when you have an atmosphere like that. Um, But, you know, that's the one thing that you you always miss is just the relationships, and and you don't see the guys in that capacity. You guys are getting older. You got families. It's different now. Um, But back when we were kids – especially my days in Dallas and my early days with the Giants. Like, it was just – it was a different time. And, um, you know, that's what you miss. You miss the competition aspect of it. I mean, we're competing for ratings, but they really don't keep wins and losses in what I do. So, that's the other part that takes a little bit of an adjustment because I don't (laughs) – you know, I can't say that we won this show today. Like, you know, (laughs) we won the show today. Man, we killed that 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. time slot. Like, you know, you don't have – you don't have that going on. But – you know, those are probably the biggest things that I miss from. So playing, you, you miss the clowns, football. not the circus. You miss the guys, not the raw, the grind every day. No, I, I, I don't miss the grind every day. I, I mean, you know, I, you know, how do you miss practice? How do you miss two a days? You, you don't. I mean, you, those are the things that they paid me for in the first place. I did Sundays for free. Um, <laughs> so you know, when you get away from the business part of football, which is which is the part that sucks, I, I think you know it is what it is. But. In terms of the things that I loved about the game, like you missed that competition. I mean, it was a part of me that enjoyed being able to impose my will on another man out there on a football field. Like I don't, I don't have that anymore. I mean, I go to the gym every day, but that's about it. I mean, the weights don't hit back. So I mean, it's just you know, it's just not, it's not that sense of accomplishment. You know, there's not that sense of competition. So that's the one part of it that I missed. You've been retiring now two years, right? Yeah, yeah. 2015 was my last season. Was there one game? one play or one moment when you're sitting down on your couch and you're like, oh, I, it, it just bothered you on the inside. You weren't out there. One thing, you're like, whether it be a, a game, anything, they're like, shit, I really, I wish I was back out there. You know what? I never had that one moment that I can pinpoint. I will say that it was rough watching the Giants season this year. I mean, you, you, it's the most losses in franchise history. <clears throat> the, keep that in perspective. Bro, this is a franchise that's been around since 1925. It's the most losses in franchise history. The 2017 Giants are in the history books (laughs) as being a part of the only 13-loss team in franchise history. It's going to be 14. 
history. <laughs> That's awful. And we couldn't do anything about it. And then to add insult to injury or, or bad performance, whatever you want to call it, the fact that you benched Eli Manning. Oh, I actually want to talk to you about that. So for Geno Smith. Yeah. Geno Smith? Are we kidding me? Haven't we seen enough from Geno Smith in New York sports? Haven't we seen enough from him? We West know what Geno Smith is. Shout we know out to what West he Virginia. Ain't. Shout out to West Virginia. They, they could have kept that one. They could have kept that one in West Virginia or, or South Florida, wherever he came from, wherever he's from originally. I, I just, here's the thing. I, I don't have an issue with Geno personally. I, I think he's an okay guy personally. Um, but in terms of a football player, the question has always been, the six inches between his ears. Can he process the mental part of the game? And to this point in his career, he hadn't been able to master that. And you, you couple that with the fact that he always seems to blame everyone else around him for his lack of success rather than be accountable for not being able to produce at the level that was expected of him when he was drafted in the second round by the Jets. That was something that always bothered me. Uh, I remember Al Groh, my college football coach, he always said, if – it's always somebody else's fault. I'm not going to like you. And it just seems like Gino is one of those guys where it's always somebody else's fault. And I don't know that that sets the right tone for your team when that's your quarterback. So you bench the consummate professional in Eli Manning ending his consecutive game streak at 210, not because he wasn't healthy, but because you decided the organization needed to go in a different direction. And you don't put in Davis Webb, the rookie, to see what you got in him. You opt to put in Geno Smith a guy who's going to be a free agent after this season. Like you don't already know what Geno Smith is. I just thought that was ridiculous. That was Bush League by the Giants. It fired Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese because but, of it. But, 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 but that was an ownership decision. They had to sign off on it. And the fact that John Mara and Steve Tisch let it go down like that, I got a problem with that. But wouldn't you say, like, uh, it was an ownership, like, fault for, like, even allowing, like, McAdoo to even, like, go to that point. Because, like, here's the thing. It shouldn't have even gotten to that point where, like, McAdoo was making that decision. Because McAdoo, we knew from day one, from his first press conference, that this wasn't the guy for the job. Yeah. Period. No, you know what? And I had an It was like the first press conference. It, it was like clear. It was the baggy suit that yeah. did it for you. Right? It was, the, <laughs> it was, the, was the, the DXL suit. The, like, it was the, the DXL press suit. The press conference That's had, what it was. Like, as the press conference <laughs> progressed, I was like, and like as well as like anybody who was following it, you were like, this guy is not like NFL Head coach material, period. Like it was, you know like, what? It was and clear. It's, it's funny that you brought that up, Simba, because we had the opportunity to have Sean McDonough, ESPN's voice of Monday Night Football, on our show on a weekly every Monday. And, um, you know, we were talking about Ben McAdoo, and he said when he interviewed Ben McAdoo before the Detroit Lions game this season, he said he was very underwhelmed by his presence. And if Sean McDonough's underwhelmed, what do you think the guys in that locker room feel about Ben McAdoo? I think it was clear that they didn't respect him, and the lack of effort on the field reflects that. Zero. So if they don't respect the head coach, then how are you going to have any type of authority? How is the head coach going to set the agenda for the football team? He's, he's incapable of doing it, and I think that's why things fell apart at the seams for this team this season. You played, and when you were on my show last time, you told me things people don't know about Eli, only guys like you and I would know, Chris, we played, is that in the locker room and shit, like, Eli was a funny dude. Like Funny dude. Always, he's a prankster. He's always messing with the offensive line, and those are his guys. 
Um, but he's a good teammate. And you guys loved him, right? I loved him. And here's the, here's the great thing about the, the culture that we had when I was a part of that franchise. I mean, everybody worked. Everybody was accountable. I mean, you could see it. Guys on their day off would come in and get extra weights, making sure that they studied film with their coaches or with their position groups. Everybody was prepared. Everybody got the most out of their ability. That was the sense around the organization. We weren't the most talented team, but we knew that. But we were willing to outwork teams, not just on Sundays, but we were outwork you in preparation on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And so when we had those critical situations, when they came up in the games, we were always prepared because we put in the extra work. And I think that that was something that, that, you, that you've been missing around the Giants facility for some time now. There's a gap in the championship culture. And I, I have to put some of the blame of that on Jerry Reese. Because if you look at the 2011 and 2012 draft classes, none of those players are on the Giants anymore. There's only one of those guys that's still in the league, and that's Prince of Mukamara. So, I mean, you, you, you have to attribute that to being when was, the Land, break Landon in Collins the culture. Landon Collins was the 20, 2014 draft? 2014 draft. He was the second-round pick in the 2014 draft. I mean, by my guy. So like, yeah. You know, that's my that was dude. a pretty good draft because they got, from, they got Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. in the first round of that yeah. draft. That's a pretty good SEC, draft. SEC, shout out to SEC. Shout out to the SEC. Well, he played the SEC, or, or, or or the, the, the NFL D League. Yeah. The, <laughs> the NFL D League. I mean, yeah, they, yeah. they should make good football players. It's clear that those guys aren't going to class. Well, but, you know. wait, Simba, you have some, Simba, do you have something to say about the ACC and the UVA? Let me know because you told me no, UVA football. Talk, we'll say it to Chris I'm not face. proud of UVA football. <laughs> we, we have a guy that sounds like a Ford truck as our head coach. His name is Bronco Mendenhall. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, but like. I don't feel great about my head coach. What do you mean? Hey, you know what? I never self-deprecating I, I, when it comes to Virginia like, football. Me, I, Every other sport at Virginia is good except for football. I never asked you this question. Disgusting. What was the selling point right. at UVA to bring you to UVA? I actually never asked you that recruiting wise. Yeah. You know what? I, I never thought I was talented enough to play in the NFL. So I said, listen, I, I have an opportunity to get a college scholarship and, and graduate with a degree from the University of Virginia. And so at the time, Virginia was in the top five of graduation rates nationwide for players in the football program. Okay. I think it was Stanford, Duke, Vanderbilt, you know, the, the usual suspects. And then I, it was Virginia and Boston College, and those were the two schools that were actually, you know, recruiting me. And, and after I decided that I didn't want to play for Tom O'Brien because he was a dick at BC, <laughs> I decided I was going to go play for George Welsh at Virginia. So it made it an easy decision for me. That's pretty cool. That's a yeah. great decision. Like yeah. Virginia's like one of the top schools. Like you know, you can't grasp that. Like everywhere. no, I mean, the degree means something, and the alumni yeah. network the is network, second to yeah. none. So I mean, when you start looking at you know where you should go to school, that's something that I like, think a lot of yeah. high school kids should consider. Just think about the alumni network because those are probably the people that are going to be in position to give you a job. So if the school that you're going to has a strong alumni network and you played football or you played some major college sport, you're probably going to be good as long as you get your degree. Yep. So Now, your, your hands are empty right now. You don't rock the ring a lot? No, I'll pull it out during the NFL playoffs just okay. to remind folks that I still have one. Like, okay. it's, it's a relevant do time. You know, yeah, you do you huh? Yeah, I'll, okay. pull it, I'll pull it Let out people starting, know, remind uh, them? starting next week. You know, that's the time to start flashing the ring. Have you? I have to. I have to wear it on first things first in front of Chris Carter. Now he can let him know. Now he can pull out his gold jacket and his Hall of Fame ring. <laughs> but I can pull out the Super Bowl ring. And so I thought have that some fun with he that. was on the fifteen and one team that Giants beat. Didn't him and Moss? Weren't him and Randy Moss on the fifteen and one team that Giants beat? Oh no, was he? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. About the, the, yeah, when the Giants yeah, beat them yeah. back with who was uh, Kerry Collins was quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chris Minnesota, Carter, Minnesota, I thought they were yeah, going to get yeah. when they were fifteen and one. 
Now you rocked the ring. That was that was what two thousand. It was him and that Randy Moss. That was two thousand because that was the year that the Giants lost to the Ravens in the Super Bowl. Yes, 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 yes. Dante Culpepper getting the roll on. Yes, yes. Wrong. It was something else, man. <laughs> now, it Chris, was something else. We, we know the rule. You lie to women and children, never to your boys. Yeah, I'll, li- you- I'll lie for you. I'll never lie to you. I like that. There you go. Now, let me that's a good policy. Wow, that's actually a better one. <laughs> Have you ever got a female because you rocked, rocked the Super Bowl ring? Tell the truth. No. Really? Never. How is that possible? Never. I, I, I got one by saying I knew a guy with a football ring. Wow. <laughs> I told you I have I have no game you when really, it comes to women. Well, let's I tell Simba. No Simba and I go out all the time together. Simba, when I mean zero game, Simba, his game is embarrassing. No, it is. Bad. My game? Is, no, his no. It's Hall of Shame. Hall of Shame bad. No, Chris's game is really bad. I don't believe it. it Why is, is it bad, though? Is it lack of confidence? What is I, it? I don't know what it is, man. I just, you know, I've never, <laughs> I've never been in a situation where I just – couldn't have a girl around, so yeah, it's just okay, never okay, been. Okay. It's never been like that. You never so had I, to go. I that never level. had to develop that skill set. Okay. Like it's, you know, it's usually born out of necessity. <laughs> it's like, it's like the ugly guys are really good talking to women. Because I was going to say, I'm such a good like, talker. Never been. Why Simmer and I never, I never been in that situation. <laughs> Because Simba and I are really good talkers. Yeah. Is that the wow. So is that the reason why? That's the reason why, man. Who's texting Chris? Anyone good? Nah, nah. This is just my cousin. He was texting me about one of my neighbors. CC Sabathia. Uh, you see, yeah. I hate when he drops it. Oh, you know what? Let, you, Sim, I'm going to bring you to a yeah. tour of Chris's house. I won't say where you live, even though I know the address. Everybody um, knows where I live. It's okay. on the internet. Oh, it is. Alpine, New Jersey. So listen to this story, Simba. I go to Chris's house, okay. and the first time I go, there was the NBA All-Star game. Right? It we, was the NBA yes, All-Star yes, game. Yes, yes. I, yeah. I go there, Simba, right? And he gives a great tour of the house. Like, oh, wow. Like, obviously, the house is beautiful. Just marble everywhere. There's marble. It shouldn't be marble. There's marble. It's like a marble ball on the floor, right? You go into the basement. It's this huge basement, and there's this one door. You go into the door. It's like a, what is it, 80-inch screen, maybe bigger? Oh, no, it's bigger than that. It's a 140-inch movie theater but, screen. And then Simba, he has around 10 to 15 movie seats, and when you sit down, you get a fleece blanket that says the Canty Theater. That's what it says <laughs> on it. Is that a power move? Simba, do you have the Simba blanket at your house? <laughs> You don't even have to have game if you have like something like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 my game is when you pull up to the house. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is mine. I own like, this. You want? You, you want to know it's embarrassing? So he, he invites me to his house. I drive there. I had my own nine Honda Civic, and I parked behind all these other cars. It felt so horrible. Wow. It was so bad. Chris. I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> that was such a bad. Day. I remember that. All that right. Was hilarious. Before you eat some food, well, one <laughs> thing I always I admire about Eli that. I think the reason Giant fans love him and respect him is he demanded to be in New York. And not a lot of people can handle it. He demanded, hey, he could have went out to San Diego and had a great career. But he demanded to come here with the wind, with probably the fans. Not, probably not the championships, though. No, definitely not. Yeah, I mean, Philip Rivers, look at what happened with mm-hmm. him, right? I, I mean, I don't think anybody can blame Eli Manning and his father, Archie, for making that decision to force the Chargers to trade him on the draft day. I mean, because you look at how the organization was run. They didn't put the pieces around their quarterbacks in order to have the success that you wanted. And say what you will, Ernie Accorsi was the architect for those Super Bowl teams in 2007 and 2011. And Jerry Reese just did a good job of supplementing the roster and free agency. But that that just shows you the difference in terms of what the career is versus what it could have been for Eli Manning. Can I, can I ask you a question? As a football like uh, player yourself, as, as well as a football fan, mm-hmm. um, in today's social media culture, do you think – if Eli had done that, that the reception to like that decision would have been the same. Because I think social media like plays a huge part in like how we react to certain things today more than ever before. 
in like I think of like a, there's a kid like in uh, at USC right now UCLA yeah UCLA Rosen yeah Rosen Chosen Rosen Rosen Rosen, Rosen. and as well as uh, the uh, USC Sam uh, Donald yeah, yes. yeah Sam Donald they're both facing the same decision they don't want to go to Cleveland they don't want to go to Cleveland uh, but if they enter the draft if they demand the same thing that Eli did I promise you <laughs> the social media Twitter the Twitter yeah. mafia will hear them hard in a different way than like we ever reacted to Eli's uh, decision, and I don't know. I don't you know, know if it I'm would not, though. And I, I understand what you you're what saying. saying. I get exactly what you're saying. But we're talking about Cleveland. It's like I don't. I don't know that there's ever been a franchise as inept <laughs> as the Cleveland Browns over the last 20, 25 years. And so when people are looking at those young quarterbacks, and you recognize the potential that they have, you could understand why those guys don't want to put themselves in that type of situation. It's not because those young guys aren't competitive. They just recognize that the Cleveland Browns as an organization haven't done everything that they can do to surround a young developing quarterback with all of the talent that's necessary to compete at this level. Quarterback in the NFL, is it's a big enough learning curve coming to college. You don't need to be surrounded by the dysfunction that is the Cleveland Browns. For God's sakes, they had a baseball analytics guy as their general manager, Sashi Brown. I, like, I mean, you know, it just, it just didn't make any sense. So, I mean, you look at the situation that they're in now, though, there is some optimism for the future. I think Hugh Jackson is a good football coach, over though his record the last couple of years wouldn't tell you that. But they got John Dorsey in, who was a career football guy, grew up in the Green Bay Packers personnel department, had a good run with the Kansas City Chiefs. He knows what the hell he's doing. And Sashi Brown and Paul DePodesta didn't leave the cupboard bare because you're probably going to have two of the first five picks because you've got the Houston Texans Mm -hmm. first-round pick. And then you've got three second-round picks. So you've got five picks in the first first 64 and if you include the, you know what I'm saying? They so, can really build, And then you hopefully. talk about they got that first, the first pick in the third round. So, I mean, when you look at that, you got a lot of draft picks. You have the ammo to go out there and build your team. And you got cap space so you can supplement your roster and free agency. The Cleveland Browns are not in a bad situation, and I think they, they have the opportunity to turn it around. Now, will they put the right pieces in place? That remains to be seen. But you're not going to have any success in this league without a quarterback. So they're going to have to have their young – franchise quarterback. I don't think Deshaun Kaiser has shown us enough over the course of his rookie year to preclude them from drafting a quarterback at the top of this year's draft. So if you're Rosen, if you're Donald, one of them is probably going to end up in Cleveland. They might not like it, but you can't go back to college if you're going to be the number one overall pick. Just can't do that. No? No. Can't do Simba, that. I'll, I'll take I mean, it's, fo- it's football. Anything can happen. So you can suffer a career-ending <laughs> injury Who's in the college back and never monetize Chris? your athletic ability. Who was that running back? Didn't happen to, what was the running back that happened to? Got hurt and eaten. Well, I'll, I'll Google. Oh, oh, you're talking about um, uh, the kid from South Carolina, Marcus Lattimore. Yes, Marcus yes, Lattimore. yes, Marcus yes. Lattimore. Man, yeah. that I still, that still breaks my heart because like, Marcus Lattimore was as good as a kid. Like and from Steve like Steve Spurrier like, ran him into the ground. Yep, and like they ran him like like he was carrying the ball like 35 times a game. They rode him like he was like, Sea Biscuit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Chris, let me let me give this. I want to talk about your foundation real quick because and it was a part two to it. Yeah. Before we talk about the foundation. While you were in the league, you got you had amazing players. Everyone came up to the Chris Canty Foundation. Yep. When you felt, not just with your foundation, when you left the league, do you feel like a lot of people stopped reaching out to you because you weren't in the league anymore? Did you find you had a lot of fake people around you or no? No, I, I didn't okay, find that at all. That. And um, the fact that I'm doing what I'm doing allows me to maintain that platform. And if, if anything else, like if anything, 
more people are aware of the work that I'm doing in the community, especially here in the New York City area. And so it's been great, man, just to be able to get the level of support that we do and the level of engagement from New Yorkers. We got a lot of good people in this city, man, mm-hmm. and they, and they want to help, especially when it comes to the development of our young people, our kids. Um, so it's been great. We had the opportunity to finish our first infrastructure project over at PS43 in the South Bronx. We were able to build a brand new recreational space for the kids, a playground. Um, it was a $200,000 project, and we got it done. Uh, we had to move heaven and earth, but the school construction authority and the Bronx Borough Council, we ended up coming together and collaborating to make something truly special for some kids that really deserve it. And unfortunately, in the Mott Haven area of the South Bronx, sometimes that community and those kids are left yeah. out. And so it felt good to be able to have the Chris Canning Foundation be able to go in there and, and provide something for the kids that can make a difference well, for them. I'm glad you said that because it's not just football. You do a reading thing too. Don't you do a reading thing? Yeah, we got a program called Reading Buddies where we provide academic resources and uh, supplemental reading materials for the kids. Uh, we want to make sure that all our kids are reading at grade level. So it's a responsibility of the volunteers from our corporate partners to go into the schools a certain number of hours per month and then make sure that they're doing everything that they can to help the teachers and to help the students progress in their reading. And you didn't grow up, like, really in the worst kind of neighborhood. No, I grew up in Co-op City. So anybody that's familiar with Co-op City, it's not a bad neighborhood. It's it's a very middle-class area. Um, And that's great. I was was there right before they built Bay Plaza. So it was was a different type of area before all of the stores and stuff came in there. But, um, you know, it was a middle-class family. We didn't have everything we wanted, but we had everything we needed. And um, But you recognize that there are always those people that live right next to you that are less fortunate. And so that's really what the Chris Canning Foundation is all about, just trying to stand in the gap for those kids that don't necessarily have the things that they need in order to build their dream. You know, I just want to make sure that the kids have every opportunity to make their life what they want it to be. Like, if they choose to, to make a bad decision, then that's on them. But I don't want to say it's because of lack of resources. And, and so you love I try doing to, it? I try to provide that for all the kids that I can. And I love doing it, man. It's, <clears throat> it's nothing like putting a smile on a kid's face, you know? And, and you'd be surprised, man. It's not about just giving a kid a toy or something. You just, kids appreciate the smallest things. And to be honest with you, the thing that they love the most is that you're willing to spend time with them, you know? And, and, I, and I learned this through my years of working with young people. They won't listen to what you have to say to them until you show them that you care about them. And the way you show them that you care is that you spend time with them. So that's, that's the great thing about not playing anymore and doing what I'm doing on the radio. I have more time to spend with the kids in the community. Do you know, we're going to jump off the Candy Foundation. Do you know this, Tim? I don't know if I ever told you this. That Chris, and I really mean this. I would, you know, Kentucky basketball, Yankee baseball are my life. That's it. <laughs> no, you know that. It's a good man. No, it's, it's fair. It's fair. It's uh, my mom, Kentucky basketball, Yankees, Julia. That's my life, you know. And Julia might jump up there. She's up there. She is. She's, <laughs> ah, you know there life? you go. There you go. I just, I just you met her. make sure you still got the address of my wedding invitation. <laughs> oh, you'll home. get one. You'll oh, get okay. one. Okay, all right. Oh, I'm going to marry her, no doubt. Okay, you met right. her, Chris. Yeah, I met her. I just want to make sure I got the invitation. When your boy Willie Cologne was hitting on her, he's going to tell me he wasn't. I mean, I'm really, she's Willie. like, this guy, Willie's great. I'm like, Willie's hitting on you, Julie. She's like, no, he's not. Was that the first time uh, when we came over there? Yeah, it's the, the first time I met him. Yeah, we were in Harlem. But you know what? Let's tell that story first. I won't tell that. So Simba and I do a show with Michael K. Williams, name dropping. So Omar from the Wire is saying, I text you because you told me, Chris, that you can eat. I'll, I'll, I'll talk. Yeah. No, I'll talk you're, good, you're good. You're good. <clears throat> and you told me like, oh, I'm, an, I'm a big Wire fan. So I'm like, dude, are you around? Omar is just hanging out at the bar right now, drinking with us. Come down, down. And like, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm in Harlem. But dude, if you want to come visit us, I'm up here right now. So Simba and I have Julia come, and Julia and I are supposed to go on a date that night. I'm like, Julia, we'll be there for two minutes. 
She goes, nothing with you and Simba's two minutes. We show up in Harlem. Yeah, we show up in Harlem at the hookah bar, and the guy's like, you guys can't come in. First of all, we weren't dressed great. I'm like, no, 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 Chris can't do good. So Chris comes out. He looks at us. He goes, oh, God. Let's us in. Willie Clone's talking to Julia in a flirtatious way. And obviously, I'm not going to take him. <laughs> yeah, he's 6'2", 350 pounds. Probably a bad idea. But I worked out early that day. Right. I did, right. I, no, I did, I did triceps that day. And then he says to me, he buys shots. I don't I'm know like, if you would be able to work your way out of that ass. <laughs> okay. And I tell him, like, Chris, I don't do shots. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Willie, I don't do shots. Yada, yada, yada. Simba and I are in the back of Julia's car driving home a half an hour later. Simba gets out on the FDR drive. And I don't remember even walking home that day, right, Simba? <laughs> wow. You, Chris, wow. I didn't tell you that how it ended. No, you did. Because you actually called me like, hey, are you cool? <laughs> and then we're driving home. We're on 108th Street and the FDR Drive. And Simba's like, Julia, take me to Wall Street. And Julia's like, I'm not taking you to Wall Street. I was going to a party. I had a party that I, go, I had to go to with Fidei. So I'm like, Julia, <laughs> can you drop me off in like Fidei? Julia's like, I'm going home. I'm not going anywhere else. I'm going home. I'm done with you guys. And I was taking a nap in the front seat. Wow. Yeah, I was napping. So Simba gets out on 108th Street in the third lane of the FDR Drive. An hour later, he goes, made it to the party. <laughs> wow. You got out at 108th Street? I had to Did you know where you at? <laughs> Here's the thing. Like, <laughs> Did, I'm just saying, were you aware of the part of town you were in? To be honest, like, I don't even know like how I got okay. to the party. <laughs> but I made it to the party. It's like how I make it like a lot of things. Like you just use the force, right? And you like, just you somehow, like, <laughs> some way, ended up Simba, like, the last Jedi. That's it. That's okay. Chris, that's it. It's Simba. Okay. Hey, Chris, last thing about like funny talk, and then we'll get into some real stuff. Um, right. There's no real stuff. You know you ruined the Giants for me a little bit, like going back to that thing. I'm going to tell you why. How did I do that? I'm going to tell you the truth. And people here listening now, Yankees in Kentucky, my life, and the Giants were the most important team. I loved them. That was it. It was like the three things. It was Kentucky basketball season, Yankee baseball season, Giant football season, every game. You're in the Super Bowl. I go to the Super Bowl. Giants win the Super Bowl. While I'm there, me and Justin drove out to Indianapolis. Y'all are good friends too, by the way. But I'll tell you this. Y'all are good friends. I don't think I've ever told you a story. So I'm wearing Chris's jersey, and he's getting ready to go to the Super Bowl bus to go to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. We're at the Marriott, and it's packed. And there's a lot of um, female groupies there. And Critter? In the lobby, there was. I mean, I wasn't even paying. No, no you weren't. Was, no, was, no, 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 Chris, That's no. a focus, man. He was no, focusing no. the game. It was tunnel vision, dude. But you want to get tunnel vision. Here's the coolest part of the story. He's walking out, getting ready to go on the bus, Simba. Yeah. And he sees me, walks just directly to me, gives me a pound. He's like, "I got this." I'm like, everyone turned around. I'm like, oh yeah, it's like my best friend. I'm, <laughs> that night ended very well. But he, <laughs> no, no, but here's why. He, he never was, told me that. He never told me that. You, you remember coming that. over and giving me a pound. Before yeah, I do, I do, I do, I do. He gave me a pound before he goes on the bus, but here's what he ruined it for me. Giants win the Super Bowl. I'm there in Indianapolis. We drove there. We slept at some lady's basement on some, like, dude, we had, we had, we had a mutual friend, Justin. He's, like, 6'5", like, 300 pounds. Him and I shared, like, a little um, blow-up bed. It was the worst time of my life. But He's mad at you, by the way. Yeah, we haven't talked in, like, a year and a half. He's mad at you. We haven't talked in a year and a half. We're gonna speak. He told me to tell you what's up, though. He told me to tell Don't you. Don't tell me that. That's gonna make me sad. No, I'm, I'm straight up. He's 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 in Staten Island right now. He's on the rock. He told me. I told him I was coming over. Here. He told me to tell you. What's you want to know the worst thing? Well, well, let me tell you this last part. Giants win the Super Bowl. I get a wristband to the after party, so I'm partying with the New York Giants after they won the Super Bowl in the Marriott in Indianapolis. And now everyone's dressed nice. 
And the worst part is, because your mom, who can walk on water, I'm wearing the canty jersey. And meanwhile, everyone like went home to get changed. I'm like, no, I can't. I was the first one in the party because I didn't want to. I thought they were going to take away my pass. Like, why is, why am I here to get a pass? So I could. Simba, I'm the first one there. Simba. And I'm like, I might have been a little out of control. And his mom's like, you wearing a canty jersey. I like, just be careful. I was going around, you know, I was out of control. My mother is a pastor, so. Super oh, ultra so conservative. He probably, he probably wasn't out You're of control, but like too. mom was just kind of <laughs> like, "Hey, Simba's." I'm a pasta skid as well. Oh, okay, both my parents. So you were bad as hell growing up too, huh? Yeah, yeah, you were. I'm, yeah, you were. I'm, I'm, That's I'm how all PKs guy. are. It's just what it is. <laughs> you know, back, back to Justin. We'll, we'll talk about real stuff because yeah. we. Yeah. So Justin was my best friend growing up, and we actually haven't talked to him and I in like a That's year. That's how and we half. met. That's how he and yeah, I. Yeah, with him and I met with, down at UVA a little bit, and then. We went to a bunch of games with Justin, with Chris. We met that, and him and I haven't talked like a year and a half. It bothers me to this day. He was my best friend for 20 years, and we don't really talk anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's a girl. It's it's a girl. Yeah. It's over a girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not by anybody's fault. Oh, no, no, no. no those, those, yeah, yeah. those two guys love each other. They yeah, yeah. still love each other to this yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. And he, it, it, it bothers me because I'm like, I don't care. I don't, I don't talk to him. And he'll text my mom and be like, oh, I hope everything's well. And I was like, cool. Yeah, it, it, it's a bad situation. It's tough. It's just it's tough. It is what it is. But um, it's not like they fell out. No, like they no, they no. still like it, you know like they still love each other to this day. It's just like they can't talk to each other. Yeah, it's very very. I, I might throw. Them, we might Facetime in a second. Anyway, so yeah. let, let's get back to some things. Okay. I feel like y'all should though. I well, know. Maybe, maybe I should call because I'm right here. Next maybe three way. Remember when you said three way back in the day? Yeah. All right. You had to be careful with three way though because people would try to get you to say something. Yeah. Other person on the phone. Hey, so Chris, did you like Emily? Like the police asking. For a confession, like you just gotta make sure, like, it'll be like you gotta be real cryptic. Hey, hey like Chris, you got me on three way. I'm gonna hang up and I'm gonna call you right back. You better pick up. That's how I know. Like that's how I know I can be honest at yes, that point. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And like Chris, did you, did you really like Emily? And then you hear he's about to say it. He likes Emily, and then you hear the buttons. Yeah, exactly. Remember, you used to have the, the weird three three way ring, like ring a ring. Remember, it would be a weird mm-hmm. three way ring. You knew something was going on. Yeah. All right, best friend in the league when you played. Oh, man, you're asking me to choose between a lot of really good guys. Give me three. Man. Name drop on me. Give me three. Oh, man, come on, man. All right. Um, Dallas Cowboys days, the defensive line there. So, DeMarcus Ware, Marcus Spears, Jay Ratliff, Jason Hatcher, okay. Steve Bowen. Those were my guys. Like, we were clicked up. Like, I was always close to all the other defensive linemen because that's the group of guys okay. that you spend the most time with. When I came up to New York, it was OC. It was Tuck. It was JPP. My man, Kiwi. Can't forget my guy, Rocky Bernard. He came uh, the same year in free agency I did from the Seahawks. Um, Mike Boley, uh, Deion Grant, all great dudes, man. So that was probably – How about your Ravens days? Oh, man, Sizz. Sizz is is crazy as hell. Terrell Suggs? Yeah, that's my guy, Terrell Suggs. Um, Pernell McPhee, who's in Chicago now. Um, Can't forget about uh, big baby Brandon Williams, who's doing his thing down there as well. Um, A lot of good guys in Baltimore. Marcus Spears actually came to Baltimore – as a free agent the same year I did in 2013. So that was cool to be able to play with him again on another team. Um, How about at UVA? Because I know a lot of the UVA guys. I was down there around 40, You know what, me, and, like the UV, me and the UVA, those probably the guys are, that I'm the closest with mm-hmm. because, um, you know, I, I see those guys all the time, especially in the offseason. I go down to Charlottesville at least once a year, and I spend a weekend down there. They always come up and help me out with my football camp. Always. Ever since it started in 2007 in Charlotte, and we brought it back up here. In 2011, 2012, around there when we won the Super Bowl. And we've had it every single year. And those guys come every single 
year, and I love them for that, man. So, like, those relationships that you have in college are, like, different because, like, it's, it's, not, it's not a business at that level, right? It's always – it's just about guys – that basically have no money, playing the game for the love of it, just trying to figure out what the hell is going on in life. Like, what are, what are you doing with your life? And so we're able to forge that bond and, and come of age, really. And that was cool. Like, that's something that you'll always have. So guys like Justin Walker and Brandon Isaiah and Jay Dorsey, who's a good friend of yours I love Dorsey. Well. I love Dorsey. Um, we're going to call George, George Stanley. Um, you know, you name it. Just a bunch of guys from UVA that are, that are super cool, and we always support one another. So it was cool. It's pretty nice to have – that type of bond with your college teammates. And you start talking about, I got to college in 2000. So this is, you know, almost two decades later. We still got those strong friendships. You were a boy and became a man. Exactly, man. Exactly. And they were there to witness all the different stages in between. So it's pretty cool, man, to have those guys still in my life. And they're all doing really positive things, man. Really great guys. A few minutes about real NFL stuff. Biggest surprise of this year, in a good way. Oh, what man. Um... Okay, so in a positive way to L.A. Rams, I, I did not see that Jared Goff turnaround coming. I think that they did what they needed to do in the offseason to, to give him every opportunity to be successful. They went out and hired a young head coach in Sean McVay, somebody that could relate to Goff. They were able to get the offensive line the help that they needed, bringing in the new center, and, of course, Andrew Whitworth, the left tackle. And I, and I think that's all they needed to kind of take off and take that next step. I think Wade Phillips has done a great job on the drive of revamping that defense and, and changing the identity, and you're starting to see that take shape now. So I would say the Rams are probably one of the biggest surprises. I think the Giants are one of the biggest surprises okay. in a negative way. Um, here's the one I didn't see coming, and, and, and I don't know what it was, but I, I wouldn't have – this probably would have been the team least likely to win their division coming into this year outside of the teams that I just mentioned. The New Orleans Saints. Okay, now we're going to stop you right now. Look, what does it say right there? Biggest surprise this year. What does that say, Chris? Rams. Saints. There you go, Chris. See, you now we're on the same page. We're on the same page. I didn't think Drew Brees had what, one more year in him. Why did why be? What? I, I, as somebody who lived in Atlanta for like a long time and somebody who follows NFC South, like – that like division flips so many times more than any other like division I think in football. Yeah, I think the only the Rams, since, though, the, since the inception get, of the NFC South, I think the only back-to-back winner has been the Carolina Panthers. Yes, that's it. Yeah, because yeah. like usually like if you win it, it's like a curse because like the next season you come out last. Yeah, but I mean, that's I'm like, sick, in looking at that division, I I honestly thought Atlanta would be good again, even though they lost in the yeah. Super Bowl. I thought Atlanta would be a playoff team. I thought the Carolina Panthers would bounce back with Cam Newton. You know, two years yeah. ago they were in the Super Bowl. And I thought the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were ready to ascend. Mm-hmm. Like after the hard the knock, with the list. I thought Jameis Winston was ready to See, take that next step. I don't think any, any, any of us like, saw Kamara coming into like the picture. In Nobody the that, like, saw Alvin Kamara being Alvin able Kamara, to do what he's done. Unless you watch Tennessee. Because I watched Tennessee. Oh, and now like, Simmons is going to break it down. Hey, and I watched Alabama. I said, like, when, Alabama, when that kid transferred from Alabama to Tennessee, I said, like, that kid is like the real deal. That's what you said to and me? I guess really? You never thought that never both thought of those <laughs> running backs would have 1,300 plus yards. I agree. Yards from I agree. Both of those guys? No. Stop it. I agree. I, stop I, it. Simba, stop it. Stop it, Simba. You're right. I never saw. <laughs> All right. I, I'm about to say. I never saw. Talking I, about I saw this coming. No. I saw him play at Tennessee. I never. Man, stop. No, I never saw what he's done like in, uh, in New Orleans yeah. coming. Yeah. But am I surprised? No. Because I saw that what that kid could do mm. in college. There's a difference between going like, "Oh, I saw this coming," and yeah. going like, oh. "Wow!" Like, 
I thought it was I'm, a I'm, really, I thought it was a really good running back I'm in college. Like, I'm like shocked that he's doing what he's doing, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I saw him, and like that kid is like the real deal. He's, Do you he, know where he started college yeah. at? Yeah, where did he start at? Alabama. There you go. Yeah, yeah. he's the Alabama guy. He's an Alabama. Chris, yeah, we started in Alabama. See, I knew that. Watch this. From Simmer, Alabama. Simmer. I'm, I'm interview Simmer. Fa- one word. Favorite college football team. Kentucky. No. Besides Kentucky. No, Simmer. like here's the All right, but Simmer. I follow Alabama. My, favorite, my, my parents live in Alabama. Favorite, okay. N- favorite NFL team. You see, like I know because you're a front runner. Just give me favorite NFL I'm team. Not. Patriots. No. The Patriots are your no. favorite, favorite team. college football team. Because Best. like the first Super Bowl that I ever watched. I moved, I moved here in 2001. Everything. <laughs> the first Super Bowl that I ever watched was Tom Brady winning against the Rams. Mm-hmm. Every team, is and they were the underdogs. <laughs> Tom Brady was the underdog. Let's see, I root Rams. for the best college basketball program, yep. Kentucky. I lived I there for the best, best college football. NFL I lived there for ten best years. Best football. Best college football. Don't join team. him, uh, Chris. I, I'm, I'm watch this. Chris, watch this. Favorite soccer team, Simba. Give me your two favorite soccer teams. Let's I grew up on Manchester. Wait, wait, wait. One other one. Who else, Simba? But I grew up on Manchester. Who's the other one? Here's the, huh? Who's the other team? For what? You don't like Messi in Barcelona? No, but I like Messi because <laughs> he's the best he player. Only good teams he roots no, for. No, I like. I, I, I actually, I, I'll say this. So you're a Yankees fan now, huh? No. <laughs> Please, right no, now the Astros. Right now, Chris, the, the Astros. Yan- oh, you know what? You're right. I'm Altuve and them. Yeah, I was Altuve actually going to get to this. I was going to get to this, by the way. I was going to ask you, for somebody who's lived in like uh, New York for three years, and like who's still trying to figure out like what then like next like because. I'm like, obviously, like Mike and I like bonded over like sports because mm-hmm. we both like a big like sports fans. I'm like a die. I'm like a sports head, but like for some reason, like unlike any other city that I've ever lived in, because New York is New York, I haven't like bought into like any of like the sports teams. Is like they I'm, haven't given you a reason probably to buy in. It's true though. To be That's honest true. With you. And I guess. And yeah. like so like as somebody who's been like what, the Yankees have years, won one championship two thousand nine since yeah, he's been it. here. So yeah. we've only But had like Kentucky one. never like here's the thing. I became a Kentucky fan well, you lived there. when Kentucky was like the worst team like of all time. Okay. But I also lived in Kentucky for like There's nothing why, else. There's nothing else in Kentucky. Sc- except bourbon. It's yeah. bourbon, the Wildcats, and the Cardinals. A combination of the three. That's typically how it goes. In a lot of ways, Kentucky was my introduction to America. Okay. That's where I went to high school and where I went to college. Okay. You know, that's where I became from a boy to a man. Yeah. So like that like Simba, was that where your first drink was also? Oh, 100%. <laughs> so is it safe to say you're a bourbon guy? 100%. Okay, what's your favorite bourbon? Oh, it's not even a question. Which one? It's simple. Woodford. Woodford? Interesting. Because I literally, Woodford Reserve, the distillery, is 20 minutes away from like where I grew <laughs> okay. up. Okay, that's interesting because like, no, I, I'm, a, I'm a bourbon guy as well. Okay. Are you and I, always, I always say, if you start with a B... You're barking up the right tree. <laughs> so if it starts with a B, you're barking up the right. So Booker's, Baker's, Blanton's, Basil Hayden. But like, yes, the one It doesn't Almost. matter. If it starts with a B, you're pretty good. You want to know, like, in terms of, like, actually, like, bourbon, like, uh, like, the actual bourbon. Yeah. All those bourbons you just named are all distilled by the same company. That's it. It's literally, it's one company. That's why I say if it starts Buffalo, with a B, you're barking up Buffalo the right tree. Buffalo literally Simba, but, say some all those yeah. You want to start with a B, bougie, because he was never a bourbon guy. He was in my house doing funnels of Bud Light. Now he's a bourbon guy. What? What just? Well, I can afford good bourbon now. I couldn't afford. <laughs> you started. I was still on a rookie contract back then. 
He signed a rookie contract with doing funnels of Bud Light in my backyard. On my, remember I had a turf grass I backyard. Remember. Spin, I remember. But now he's a bourbon guy. Please, Simba. Please, bourbon guy. Okay. If you have an extra bottle of Pappy Van Winkle lying around, <laughs> I'm not going to be mad if you drop it off at my house. All right. It's, it's been an hour. We're going to hit you with a few questions. All right. Are you a soccer guy at all? No. Can't get into it? Have you no, tried it? No, 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 it's not that I haven't. Tr- you know what? I, in full disclosure, I haven't given it a fair shake. Fair, we, we got fair. a lot of uh, major sports around here. We've got... Every major sports team, we got two of them, and in hockey, we got three of them. So it's a lot to get into with New York sports, especially us getting in depth and talking about it and yep. trying to preview and recap. So I haven't gotten into soccer, um, but you know I do respect the athletes that play soccer. I always say that it's probably the best athlete in terms of you know skill set because you're required to have hand-eye foot coordination, and that's and that's a tough thing. So when you look at it from that perspective, you have to respect what soccer athletes bring to the table. They're the best conditioned athletes in the world. Chris, uh, I'm an NYCFC season ticket holder. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to hear um, that, Simba. <laughs> oh, by the way, we have, like, one of the best. Like, oh, here's the thing. What I'm hoping for is, like, we build, like, a, a stadium eventually. Something like what the Red Bulls have out in yeah, New York? Yeah, yeah. And that's, the Red Bulls, like, yeah. I'm, like it's, it hurts me because they have, like, a great stadium. They do have a nice stadium. They have, like, a really – it's a sweet, like, atmosphere. But – because like you know me now, can I? We call are close in? to. Be- I'll call in once a week uh-huh. <laughs> during like the soccer season, and oh, you have like the NYCFC like talk. And you know what? Guess what? I'll lean on Rick DiPietro, and he'll know exactly what you're talking about because he watches freaking everything. All so right. like during the uh, MLS he season, two, he's got two kids that are less than three years old. And he finds the hours in the day <laughs> to watch that, and he works out like three or four hours in a day. I'm like, this dude doesn't sleep. He's like a robot, man. It's unbelievable. Right, so the dude right behind you in the black shirt wants to know, X, Chris, favorite wrestler, favorite hockey team? Oh, favorite wrestler. Oh, man. Um, the Ultimate Warrior. Oh, horrible decision. Okay. Why is that a horrible decision? God, that's horrible. Hulk Why Hogan, baby. Why he, beat, he made me cry when he beat Hulk Hogan in WrestleMania 6. Why is the Ultimate Warrior a horrible decision? Oh, that was a one and done guy. All right. Favorite. What about Ric Flair? Nature Yeah, Ric Flair. How's Ric Flair? Woo! Everybody Woo! likes Ric Flair. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. All right. Does that make it better? Favorite hockey team? Oh, favorite. Oh, Islanders. I have to be an Islanders fan because of, of Rick. I have to be an Islanders fan. One. So now that they're going to get the new state in New in York Belmont, Arena yeah. in Belmont. Like, now it's the time to lock up Johnny Tavares, right? Oh, they better. Like, number 91. Like, you better feel like you got the good news last week. Now they need to be working on a contract a extension. 10-year deal. He needs to be an Islander for life, right? Like, that's the right thing. By the way, your boy, James Harrison, just signed with the Patriots. Yeah, I heard he was up there today, and now he's signed with them. It's wow. unbelievable. You know he's going to see his former team. How do you of think that's going to work out is. in the playoffs? Of course I, he, he is. The funny thing is I said it last week. Of I said Simba, Simba's a fucking no, yeah. but like everybody, a psychic. Chris. Thing, most people said it. Yeah. Most people assumed last week when he got released, right, that like the Patriots would pick him up. Yeah, that just makes sense. And if I mean, for no like other reason, Bill Belichick yes. can get some insight onto the Steelers it's the defense. It's the most Belichick thing to do. It is. That's the best way to put it. It's the most <laughs> Belichick thing to do. Yeah. Simba, you're absolutely right, 100%. Right, give me two more minutes of your time. One football regret you have. One regret you have. That I didn't make a Pro Bowl. Oh, really? Yeah. That bothers I you? An, I was an alternate once upon a time, but I never actually made the Pro Bowl. Um, you know, it's just one of those things to be able to say that you were respected by your peers and by the fans and the coaches alike and be able to represent the best of the National Football League at that respective position for that year. So I never had the privilege of being able to say that, but if I had to choose between being a Super Bowl champion or a Pro Bowler, I choose Super Bowl champion all day long. Did you ever ask another player for an autograph? Uh, no, that was kind of strange. You know what? <clears throat> 
for myself, no. I, I have asked several players for autographs, but they've always been for charity things or things that I wanted to give to kids. Okay. It's never been for, for myself. No. Yeah. So he never once said, like, oh, I want – because there was a, a YouTube video came out last year. Roethlisberger came over to, to Brady and was like, hey, can we switch jerseys? Oh, the jersey swap? No, I never really got into that. Really? I mean, I got I got the film to say I played against the guy, so I don't need to change jerseys with him or anything like that. Do you like think that. it was because, like, uh, uh, Roethlisberger lost, like, five straight times at that point before the six straight well, times? Well, it could be because – Hey, Matt, you've beaten me five straight times. It could be because Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. And I don't, even, I don't even think that's debatable he is. He is. at this point. 100%. Yeah. And we agree with that. Yeah. Okay, we asked this question a couple of years ago. You know, I have to give you props, too. The, uh, the Broncos played in the Super Bowl, like, was it three years ago? Was that the Broncos Super Bowl? Three years ago or two years 2015, ago? 2015, right? Two years ago, right? Yeah, and I actually, and right before the Super Bowl, you came on, and I'm like, dude, they have no chance to win. They have no chance. And you told me flat out, like, dude, they're going to, the Broncos will win this game because that defense, I'm like, dude, there's no way because of Peyton. And you're like, the Broncos and, and I actually never gave you. Yeah, props the Broncos there. are gonna shit kick the fucking Panthers. I told you that. Yeah, you. And call- I mean, it was it was one of those things where you looked at it from a historical perspective in the Super Bowl. Good defense beats good offense every single time, and you don't have to go that far back. Remember Peyton Manning back in 2013? He had that record-setting we year. Th- yeah, we thought he threw like 50 touchdown passes. Was something ridiculous like that? Who they play against in the Super Bowl that year? Because it happened in MetLife in, in Seattle. And do you remember that first? The Marius Thomas catch? Yeah, of course. Where Cam Chancellor knocked his soul out of his body? <laughs> it was from that moment on that you realized Seahawks are probably going to win this game. And, and ever since, I mean, even going back to the Giants Super Bowls, right? Yeah. It, it wasn't like the Giants had this all-star defense. But in 2007 and in 2011, they had an outstanding pass rush. And your pass rush affected your quarterback. So even though Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time, he looks a lot more average when you have a defensive line that's hitting him over and over and over again. So if you have a defense that's capable of getting after the quarterback and you had the cornerback tandem that the Denver Broncos had, you're going to be in pretty good shape in a Super Bowl game. And, oh, by the way, you had a quarterback that, even though he didn't have the arm talent, he knew, what to do. He knew exactly what <clears throat> to do. Right now, we actually this question a couple of years ago. I don't remember your answer. Who's the coolest person? Because now you're big time now. You're ESPN guy, <laughs> the coolest person in your phone. Wow. Um, Come on. I, I know I, I, you can name drop. The coolest person that's in my phone right now still probably have to be Michael Strahan. Whoa. Like, I mean, he, that so, guy, like, $100,000 pyramid. He's got the show that he's doing, he's Good Morning America. He's on Fox. Yeah. He's just yeah. everywhere. He's, he's making tens of millions of dollars a year. Like, it's, it's insane how, how successful that guy has been post-playing career. Like, I always say that he had the post-playing career that everybody thought Tiki Barber would have. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's just, you know, he's charismatic and he flashes that smile and, and it just endears him to everyone. So I would, I would definitely right, say Give Michael, me two other Michael guys Strahan. in your phone besides Strahan. All right, maybe not a guy that's in my phone, but somebody that I've talked to on my show and is mm-hmm. a regular in terms of calling in on okay. the Michael K. show and one of the most avid New York sports fans of all time, Spike Lee. That's a, like, oh, that's it's a great one. Very a, cool yes, to just okay. talk to Spike Lee and just go over and talk about what's going on with the Knicks and the Yankees. He's a huge Yankees fan as well. He wants to see the local football teams do well, but really he's a basketball and baseball guy, and it's just awesome to be able to talk sports with Spike. So that's, um, that's one of the perks of being able to have my gig, ESPN New York. It's cool to have him call in. So, uh, yeah, those will probably be the two coolest people that I interact with. So you made good decisions in life. You went to UVA. I don't know about all that. Well, you went, you went to UVA. You signed the Giants, went to the Ravens. Sim, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, three years ago, 
I knew Chris was on the verge of retiring. So I have him on my show like when I think he's going to announce he's retiring. So I'm like, Chris, in six months from now, where are you going to be? Oh, I don't know. He wouldn't tell me. So I'm like, F, I really want to like get my podcast really popular. So I want to have like the one soundbite. You know, but I would never ask anything controversial because that's like that's effed up. Yeah. So I said, Chris, 10 years ago, the biggest sports show in New York City was Mike and Chris, Mike and the Mad Dog. Yeah. Why don't we do a Mike and Chris podcast? And I really had dreams of like starting this podcast and like I would interview like ath- uh, like authors and celebrities and Chris would get the athletes. I really thought we had – he's like, bro, I like that idea. This is on my show. I'm like, oh, oh okay. He's like, bro, I'm going to get back to you on this. Still waiting for that call. But you made the good decision because you got the ESPN radio. <laughs> But listen, you always you always have me as a willing guest on your podcast. Always. And you always what? as a willing guest. I do have to say something, because now up? it doesn't have to be weird now, because now there's more people here. What's I up? do always have to thank you, because for real, you never had to do one thing for me ever, and you came on my show when I literally first, I think you were like my fourth guest ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it was right after you won the Super Bowl, so you never had to come on my show ever. Yeah. You came on five times. You came here a lot. You're off today. You're on vacation. You came down. Super Bowl... Um, Super Bowl after party, you invited me. I, I can name the places where we went to that place Slate for that Monday night game when mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm here with Chris. And I ended up five minutes later leaving with a female who thought I was Chris's accountant. She, she thought I was an accountant. And then I was at – no, no, I'm, I'm, and this is the truth. And I was at the, the Dream Hotel with Tutan and all these guys. Uh-huh. And I, I helped them out with the, with the foundation. I went to yeah. your, your, your camp. Yeah. And I just went there just to help out. And I went to the um, Dream Hotel, and I'm there, and you were there only for a few minutes, and everyone's like, oh, he's like, oh, they look at me, they're like, you the kicker, or you the accountant? And no, he's they, the agent. And, yeah, he's yeah, agent. like, oh, he's out. And no, and, and you guys, it was a joke, but you guys, oh, he's the agent, and yet, every time I went out, forget about going home with a girl, which I did, but like, you always like, uh, for, no, for some reason included me, and I really do appreciate that, and you actually helped me out, when I mean with the show so much, because um, now, my show thankfully had some traction, I get... It does have a lot of downloads. Like, yeah. some people have like seventy thousand downloads. Like these crazy amount of downloads. But when I email people and I do say, I've had on Chris Cant, and I always introduce you in the list of lists. So I just want to thank you for that because you were you helped me absolutely. It, well, it, well, you, well, Mike, you're a great dude, and and you know I can't you know I can't thank you enough for your service to New York City and your former job and what you used to do. So we have always appreciate that. We always got love for Big Blue, and I'm not talking about the Giants. Um, but more so than that, man, like you've always been a good friend, and you've always held me down in terms of wanting to do everything that you can to support the foundation. So I'm going to do everything I can to support you guys, and it's awesome having a blast just being on the podcast with you guys. And, and this is fun, man. Like I, I like. Now you know, I, I know you feel like I'm going out of my way, but this is actually fun to be able to come down here and hang out for an hour and just uh, – just kick it around with just, you know, being guys at the bar talking sports. And now here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to end the show with this. First of all, you're going to pick up your phone. Okay. You're going to call Justin. You, do you have, do you have, does Justin have FaceTime? I don't even know if he has an iPhone I anymore. think he does have FaceTime. So let's see. If let's he, see. Let's see so now, if he, this actually, is, this is the test. Let's see if we're, Justin and I are really friends. Because if we're really friends, he'll pick up the phone. Now, 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 this is my best friend, right? I mean, for 20 years, my best friend. What I mean, okay. if you went to ride or die, it would be uncomfortable how close we are. Right. And we're gonna call. Well, Chris is calling him now, FaceTime. And if you if you're listening, what up? Hello, sir. <laughs> you're live on the we're, air. We're Justin. live on the show. We're oh, we're live on the air. We had to include you on the FaceTime. I don't approve of this message. Uh, you see, <laughs> I see Chris. I spoke so highly of him just now. Hello, Justin. Hello, Michael. This is the first time we talked in two years. Yes, it is. It might be three. 
And I, and I know you two still love each other, so it's good to see you guys talking. But we, well, wanted, to, more than life. we wanted to end the podcast on a positive note. I did. <laughs> you did not tell Mike, you didn't tell. So, so, Justin, he did not tell me that. I did not have that information, Justin. I, wanted, I did not have that information. I'm sure it's because he has hurt feelings. No, because I, I didn't have that information. I wanted to, I'll tell you the truth. Because we have, we, listen, I'll tell you why, Justin. We have mutual friends, a ton of mutual friends, and I wanted to know if you stalking my Twitter, and I would have found out if you still cared about our friendship. It was a chick thing to do, but I'll be honest, let me. Go to your no, page. Actually, now. I found out. I found out from like. See, he has to always, of course, go over the top. Here we go. Go, Josh. He can't no, just. I found out from Larry. Larry Brandfine. Yeah. He's like, did you see this tweet? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what happened. All right. Well, I, I just wanted to say hello to you, sir. What are y'all doing? We're doing a podcast. I was just doing this podcast. <laughs> We're we ending the podcast now. I just want. Uh, I wanted to end it with you. Yeah, he wanted to. He wanted to end it on a positive note. What are you doing later? I'm gonna be at the house. All right. Well, we're not gonna. All right. Well, 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 right, 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 I'll I'll call you back when I get off of the podcast. I'm gonna call you right back. I'm gonna hit you up. All right. Yeah. So. So I will end it with this. So that was my best friend for 20 years. We haven't talked in like uh, two or three years, and I did block him on Twitter because we have mutual friends, and I wanted to see if he was still checking my, sh- my stuff, which apparently he was. That is absolutely a girl thing to do. It was a girl thing to do. Uh, I, I have to take some cool points away from the podcast now because he, he's getting down like that on social media. Unacceptable. Okay. Let- um, I just hope that like you don't like hold these like uh, points against me. No, no, Sim, it wasn't you. <laughs> it wasn't you. I don't, I don't hold it against you. The only thing I hold it against you is that you just cheer for the winning teams. Now, you're probably a Golden State Warriors basketball fan. Here's the thing. You know what I mean? Like, you are right, What Chris. are we talking about? Winners always win. That's my motto in life. Winners always win. Winners always win. If you're a winner, you attract other winners. And, like, you're naturally attracted to things that are always winning like, okay. in life. Okay. Right. That sounds good. So, let me ask you this. If the yeah. Patriots go to the Super Bowl and lose, are you going to the winning team's party no. afterward? No. If the party's at Jack Dempsey's. No, because, like, here's the <laughs> No. Wait, because, wait, wait a minute. Maybe, Chris. Hold on. <laughs> maybe. Because here's the thing. I always respect. I always have respect for people who have like a winning mentality, whether I support them or not. Like, for example, the Spurs. I don't, I don't like the Spurs at all. But I respect uh, Greg Popovich mm-hmm. and like uh, the uh, method, uh, uh, like the method he's implemented like in like San Diego. I mean, like uh, San, San, Antonio. San Antonio, him and R.C. Like, Buford. Yeah, and like everything that they've done, like I can respect that and like uh, emulate that because like that's winners. Like it's like Apple. It's like Apple. It's like uh, Microsoft. It's like uh, Warren Buffett. Here's the thing: we should always emulate people who are always winners, whether they're in sports. Some of your front runner, Chris. Business. Let me ask you, ah. Chris. <laughs> Chris, look, one last thing before we end right. the show: Why haven't you got me any guests on the podcast? I had to get all ninety-seven different guests, two hundred shows, ninety-seven different celebrities, athletes, authors, people. Have, you never because if I yet. made it easy for you, you wouldn't appreciate. You it. Didn't get me one. Though. Yeah, I won. <laughs> well, listen, walking aside, let's end it with this. He's not blocked anymore. I unblocked right, nice. you. Unblocked him. Thank God. All hey, right. thank you for coming on the show. I really thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate, appreciate it, my friend. Sam. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Chris, man. Uh, good to see you again. All right. <laughs>